0: Tonight, we're talking about dating and friendship. Did you know that the term dating is a newish term? In 1896, the columnist George Aid, he wrote in, in a column, he told the story of a clerk named Artie, whose girlfriend's head was getting turned by other men. When Artie confronted her, he said, I suppose the other boys fill in all my dates alluding to the dates in his girlfriend's diary that may have been filled by plans with other guys. Once upon a time, you didn't date to find someone that you had an amazing connection with. You courted to find someone respectable who wouldn't pour your inheritance down the drain. Uh, According to the author of The Curious History of Dating, up until 1870, women couldn't keep property or money or goods they inherited upon marriage. And so this law was, until the law was passed that changed this, they basically, you married so that you didn't spend your whole family's fortune. Did you know that in Bible times, they didn't talk about dating? they were arranged. So your, a girl's family would go to a guy's family and they would say, hey, I'll pay you to take my daughter in. So she really didn't get a choice and he really didn't get a choice either. And the history continues that, that says that um, there were chaperones. So let's say back in the day, you liked or your family had arranged for you to go visit another family. Someone sat with you in the kitchen. You weren't left alone. Here, I thought that was just a modern time thing. But this all changed when World War I happened because women started working in factories to help with the war. And because of that, they started traveling by themselves, which you're like, we travel by ourselves now. But back then, that was a big deal. So the dating pool got larger and larger and the amount of people that you could meet became more and more. Then there was this invention of the World Wide Web. And that changed dating forever. The pool got even bigger. And you could meet people online. And the terms that you guys used when you date changed. So I Googled some. Ghosting. Do you know, raise your hand if you know what ghosting is. All right. So I don't even need to tell you. How about this one? Zombieing. Zombing is when the person who ghosted you as a teen makes an appearance in your life again. It's like they've come back from the dead. So they ghosted you and now they're back. Slow fade. Do you know what that is? Slow fade is when a slow fade happens, your teen's love interest gradually fades away by making less and less effort to connect. I found this on Very Well Family for parents because they don't know what these things mean. And I didn't know some of them. Cuffing, the goal is to have a boyfriend or girlfriend over the holidays or Valentine's Day. Any of you do that this year? Since last week? Okay. Uh, Curving, when teens use the term curving, they're talking about rejecting someone's romantic interest in them. We obviously know DTR, define the relationship. How about deep liking? Do you guys know that one? Deep liking is a way for your teen and others to show that they like someone by scrolling through old social media posts and liking them. Look at her, she's like, oh yeah. Um, I have two more, crumbing. do you know that? Have you heard that one? What? Breadcrumbing occurs when someone a teen's been dating or talking to suddenly stops agreeing to meet them in person. However, they contact you via, via text, direct message or social media. And then my friend Eric taught me a new one. I got the ick. Do you know that one? Okay, so that I got the ick means, okay, I really like you and then all of a sudden they do something, you're like, ick, I don't think I like you anymore, okay? So, where's my picture? This is sixth grade Amanda, that's my nephew. I'm in sixth grade, and at this age, I really like this boy named Nate Erickson. I mean, we dated, but what does that really mean? It meant that we chatted on the phone and there was no cell phone. Like, there was a cord with a phone, and I could only go so far away from my family as we talked. Um, And if you were on the phone, no one else could call because you didn't have call waiting. I it meant dating him that I that he was cute. I couldn't find a picture of him. It meant that our group of friends hung out together. And then it meant that we sat by each other in a movie. So the interesting thing about this idea of dating in the Bible is that in the Bible there's not this black and white rule of how to date. The Bible gives guidance on sexual relationships, how to be a godly man or woman, how to be a good friend. But there's no line in there that says, thou shalt not kiss on the first date. There's none of that. So what are we to do? The things we're going to discuss today about dating and friendships and boundaries are going to fall under godly wisdom versus mandates for you. We're going to talk about two perspectives on dating which we think will lead you to have a healthy relationship. These are coming from the curriculum that we've been using through this series. So the first one, Dating for marriage. This perspective says that all dating should have the goal of marriage in mind. And not that you're talking about, like, will you marry me on the first date? Because that'd be creepy. But it's the idea that if you don't like this person now and you don't see you marrying them, you probably shouldn't be dating them. Dating them can just be for fun, but that fun could actually lead to both of you being hurt or doing things that you regret later. Dating for marriage viewpoint can lead the relationship to be very serious very fast because the goal is marriage. That's big. The other dating perspective is dating for maturity. In this case, marriage might be your goal long term, but it recognizes that dating can be a wonderful experience now where we learn about ourselves, and we learn about other people. So we could learn from ourselves what we like, what we don't like, and it can help us understand what we're looking for in the future for a spouse and how to grow a good friendship. Dating for maturity allows us to see ourselves and say, oh my, I'm not very patient. Actually, I'm not very good listener but it can also help us to see positive things about ourselves. Maybe we say, actually, I'm really caring, and I would make a good... I love to help people. I would make a good partner someday to because I'm caring, and I'm willing to compromise. Some adults in your life are going to say that you need to stick to one or the other. And they're going to say, this one's wrong, this one's right. And I'm saying, don't do that. I would encourage you to be somewhere in the middle because I think both perspectives have a little, they have good things to offer. The most important thing is not how you go about dating, but the kind of person you're becoming if you decide to date. Spoiler alert, I didn't marry Nate Erickson, but I did go on a variety of dates with a variety of guys, from a variety of backgrounds, and each of them helped me to learn about myself and what I wanted in my future spouse. Each person I did date, or even hung out with that I like, might have interest in, played a role in the person I became today.
1: So if you date, dating can be this awesome thing that helps you grow. But when we talk about dating, whether dating to marry or dating for maturity, we have to talk about boundaries. Each approach can be good when we engage with them properly. Too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. It's a cliche for a reason, right? It has wisdom. When I go to the beach, the sand, the views, the waves, all of it is awesome and beautiful and good. But if I go home and have that same thing in my living room, now I got a problem. It's beautiful because it has boundaries. Before we talk about how to set them, we should talk about what they are and the purpose behind them. Boundaries is this idea of setting guidelines for how we will engage with other people, especially in a dating relationship. How are we going to interact? Boundaries help nurture healthy relationships. And healthy relationships are when our commitment and our connection match. Our, our connection level doesn't uh, go above where our commitment level is. And boundaries are kind of like speed limit signs. They guide the direction you want your heart to go, but they only work if you follow them. If we drive around like madmen, we are still at risk of getting in an accident. And here's the thing about boundaries. Boundaries are hard. It's hard to say no to things. And I'm going to be honest, following Jesus is hard sometimes. Sexual integrity is this idea of I'm bringing my whole self to God. I'm denying myself what I want, and I'm trusting that God knows more about what a flourishing life looks like than I do. It's not running away from the fact that we are sexual beings, that I have urges, that when I'm alone with my significant other, I may want to be with them, like be with them, be with them. It is bringing my God, bringing myself to God in those moments and saying, I want to be obedient to you. How would you like me to do this? How do you want me to proceed? I'm choosing to love God above everything else, above my body, above the person that I'm dating. It's saying, God, you are supreme in my life. As I am pursuing a connection with another person, I'm also pursuing a connection with God. So boundaries help us have healthy connections, but how do we set them in the context of relationship? First, each romantic relationship has different parts to it. There's a physical side, there's an emotional side, a social, a spiritual side. It's like uh, the pieces to a pie. They all make up a whole, right? And the thing with those, these pieces, they're all connected. What I mean by that is if one area increases, the rest are going to want to follow. So if I have a really deep emotional connection with someone, my physical connection will want to follow that. So we need to have boundaries for each of these areas. When we talk about physical boundaries, often the first question is, okay, but like, how far can I go? What is okay? What's wrong? Where's the line? When does it become sin? Can I make out? Can my hands wander? Can we take clothes off? Where is the line when it becomes sin? And I, I think that's the wrong perspective to have. When we ask that question, it's like we're coming to this line and like, okay, how, how close can I get before it becomes sin? But friends, Jesus is that way. Our perspective should be trying to get closer to him and be in relationship with him. So instead of asking, where's the line? How, what, what, what is okay, what's not okay? Maybe we start asking, is this bringing glory to God? Would God be proud Of this interaction and to know that we need to know God we need to spend time with him in relationship emotional boundaries they involve the separating your feelings from other people Uh, it, it involves protecting yourself from the lows and the highs of dating When we talk about having the same connection as our commitment, we shouldn't let our emotional connection run out of control. So maybe we are careful who we say I love you to. Maybe we're careful about how much we share with another person. Maybe we don't let them become the only one we turn to for emotional health or well-being. They aren't the only one I would turn to when I'm sad or hurt or happy or excited. They don't become an emotional crutch. This idea that they are the only person I rely on and not God or others for help. Now, I'm not saying that we don't share things with them or that we don't let them care for us, but that we keep a healthy boundary there. Social boundaries. They determine how where and when we spend time with others and by yourself. I think the most important boundary you could set in the context of a dating relationship would not to to be not to isolate yourselves. So spend time in groups, spend time with others, and if you do happen to spend time at each other's houses, be in a public place, stay in the living room, in a place where anyone could walk in and see you at any time. Spiritual boundaries are how you spend time praying, reading the Bible, or growing in your faith as a couple versus individually. Your relationship with God is personal. It can be really cool to engage in all of those things with other people. We want to include others in our faith. But how are you keeping your relationship with with God personal and not tangling it in with another person? A helpful question to ask, is my romantic relationship helping or hindering my personal relationship with God? So boundaries are helpful when we talk about dating, but they're also helpful when we talk about our other relationships, including friendships. There are, are a lot of overlap between dating and friendships, and actually we need to have good friendships so to have good dating relationships, We are designed to be in community. It's why we have small groups here, right? Because we know we need other people in our lives. We need to have good, Jesus-centered friendships. And honestly, friendship is more important than dating. We would be better off investing our emotional, relational energies into friendships rather than dating. And if... Out of those friendships comes a romantic relationship. Great. But priority should be on Jesus-centered friendships. And here's the thing with friendships. We have to let others in. Now, this is stereotypically a guy problem, but I've seen it with girls too, where we like to keep people at an arm's length. We don't want to go deep in our relationships and share personal things with each other. I went golfing with a good friend of mine once, and, and we spent hours together I get home and my wife asks, Oh, how's he doing? How's his girlfriend? How's life? Anything new? And I'm like, Yeah, I don't know. We didn't talk about any of that. She's like, What? You spent hours with him. How could you not talk about personal real things? And I'm like, I we were golfing, like, what do you want me to do? Later she comes to me and she shows me this meme, like about this situation, and it's almost like word for word what we were saying to each other. And she's like, I thought this was a joke, but I guess it's real life. Like she just was baffled by this. Friendship is more than just hanging out and having fun with someone. It's good, but we need to let others in. We need to go deeper than that. We need to share how we are feeling, to share what we are thinking, so that they can support us and they can care for us.
0: The key to healthy friendships, friendships is that they're meaningful. So in middle school... I had two groups of friends. The first group, I would say, um, were older than me because I worked at a restaurant. They led me to peer pressure and not making good choices. I, because of my time with them, I would say I compromised my priorities of school or family to hang out with this group of friends. I will tell you that after 30 years, if I ran into one of them, I literally would be like, and maybe not even wave. Like I have no connection with them at all. And my mom used to say this thing and I can't even believe I'm gonna say she's right right now. Okay? She used to say, you are who you hang out with, Amanda. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I am my own person. I am not who, because she would hear things about this group of friends. And I'm like, no, I'm not like that. When in reality, I was totally them. Their sassiness, their choices, their attitudes definitely influenced who I was. And then I have this second group of friends. This is a group of girls that I met in seventh grade. Do you have a picture? Maybe? Okay. Um, they were kind to me. They were truthful with me. They were accepting of me. Literally, I met those two walking down the road because Jenny lived a half a block with from me. And this is like one of the first times we hung out. I don't even know why we took the picture. It's kind of awkward, but whatever. These friends cared about me. They helped to steer me in a positive direction. As time went on, none of us at the time were believers of Jesus at all. But as time went on, they shared their faith with me. I asked all the questions about God, about life, and they were never annoyed with me. They were honest with me. They were faithful to me. These are the friends that I would seriously call my ride or die. There's nothing I could say to them even today that they would be like, Amanda, I can't believe it. Peace out. We can't be friends. So, do you have another picture? This is us literally this year. We have literally walked through weddings, kids. We have so many kids. I counted between all the ladies there. We have like 22 kids under the age of 13. Like, we have so many kids deaths of parents and friends divorces broken families you name the things i have walked with these ladies with it tomorrow night i'm going to a conference and then i'm going to go to dinner with one of them and then i'm going to stay overnight at Jenny the tall one in the back and have a slumber party like we were like we're in 7th grade again so my question for you is are your friends making you a better person are they helping you to become more like christ Are they causing you to do things that are against your values? Who are you becoming when you were around them? What piece of advice I would offer my 11-year-old or 16-year-old self is this, if I could go back, I would tell myself this piece, pursue healthy friendships. Put your relational energy into solid female friends instead of waiting for some guy to sweep you off your feet. Guys, don't waste your time on friends who bring you down. Find meaningful friends who appreciate who you are for who you are. One of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, has this quote. She says, I taught my kids when they were in elementary school to do this. I asked them to cup their hands and put them in front of them. And I said, in your hand is your flame. It's your soul. It's your light. You need to surround yourself with friends who, when your light is shining bright, don't feel the need to blow it out. So I literally, humor me, guys, come on, do it. If you are hanging out with someone who's trying to blow out your flame, distance yourself. But I would also say, don't be the person who tries to blow out someone else's flame. And if that's my son, you shouldn't be friends with him. I saw that. (laughs) He goes like this, and I'm like, "Hey, don't be friends with him if he's gonna blow out your flame." Be the person who helps others to appreciate who they are and who God created them to be. Seek out relationships with others that help you become more like Jesus. We're gonna take a take two, take two. So we have a question. Remember, no phones, no talking. You're going to think about that, and then Matthew is going to dismiss you because I need water. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I turned off my mic. Heavenly Father, thank you for friendships. Thank you for relationships. Lord, help us to be honoring whether we're dating, we're single, or we're just us. Help us to find people who appreciate who we are and who, what we have to offer this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.